A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to the club. Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, we are painstakingly dissecting the Manchester derby, praising Spurs and Chelsea, and debating whether or not it's time for Slavisa Jakanovic to take the next boat out of Craven Cottage. Our now customary whistle-stop tour around Europe takes in a thrilling Der Klassiker, an emotional match between AC Milan and Juventus, and another limp-showing from Thierry Henry's Monaco, Vavadoom. I'm sorry. Plus, we will preview the upcoming Wayne Rooney testimonial and, more excitingly, the Nations League and England's showdown with Croatia. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by Fresh from a weekend of top football reporting. It's Matt Law. What's going on, Matt? Uh, Mina should be sacked for (laughs) bad music knowledge. Straight out of the bat. I know. That's what I've learned this morning, and it's just fresh in my head. She's got to go. Okay, we'll get into that. Uh, fresh from a this very is a Pogba Mourinho relationship. <laughs> fresh from a very relaxing weekend, Nina, but not spent apparently listening to music. How are you? No, I don't. I'm still stuck in 1986 when it comes to music. So, it this really upsets our dear Matt Law. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm great. I just basically did nothing this entire weekend. But Deliveroo has definitely rated me their best customer. <laughs> Sensational work. And fresh from a weekend, including a Sunday league tonking, it's JJ Ball. How are you, JJ? That's right. I made a triumphant return back to playing 11 aside this weekend. It did not end well. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> nine goals, not well. Wow. Yeah. You got Ipswich Man United 1995. Stop trying no, to recreate Guardiola football. Oh, we weren't trying to do that. I was passing it back from kickoff and then midfield. It was a bobbly pitch. I mean, there was a puddle in the 18-yard box, like an actual like lake. And, oh. uh, yeah. You're blaming the pitch. <laughs> well, no, because they were playing the people. same pitch. No, no. <laughs> like, for example, you play back Benito from kickoff, stuff. the centre midfielder passes back to the, the left midfielder, he loses the ball on the bobble, and then they score. That happened three times. <laughs> I hope you're retired I'm just standing, the I'm just standing <laughs> in the kickoff spot, just looking at us, can see the goal. Should just put a towel down. <laughs> well... Sounds like they did. <laughs> I think we threw one in, yeah. Wow. Let's yeah. start with the Manchester derby in the world of uh, very nice pitches. It felt like Man City didn't have to be at their absolute best to win 3-1. Uh, was there anything United could have done differently, JJ, to change the outcome of this match? Probably quite a bit. They set up... Normally Mourinho in those games uh, tries to make them... It always makes them compact and hard to break down. But they try and win the ball at halfway line and they're really aggressive with it. And then they push quickly down the channels. You know, you, you always have players like um, Solomon Kalu. I remember that's the kind of player that Mourinho likes for these games. That kind of workhorse on the, on the side. But they were really kind of passive in the way they defended. They stepped off them. They didn't really get tight to anyone. 
it, it seemed really easy. I thought City found it so easy, and they kind of after they were one 0 up, it all slowed down a bit, and it was like they expected far more from United coming at them, and they didn't come. And then the defensive line in the second half, and they're chasing the game. Defensive line was about twenty five yards from their own goal, and they, uh, I don't know what you expect to do. You can't break. They've got so many good players they could counter attack with, and they didn't can, do it. This is. Can I just ask? That's my question. Why did he start with Herrera, Fellaini, and Matic in midfield, and then just have these runners? Who's going to stitch up the departments? Who's the guy? Like you know, I, I don't understand why there's no Mata. I don't understand why there's no Alexis Sanchez. I don't understand why there wasn't a player there who could provide a creative spark or a moment of individual brilliance. Like as in, you had runners, but. Who is going to pass the ball to these runners? Who is going to launch them forward? Who is the creative thinker? This is what bothers me about Mourinho and all of this. Like, I love defensive football. We know that. I love a good balance in life. But the, you have a squad that's not really made to defend. It's, you have a squad that's made to attack. So why not just be pragmatic, take the squad and do what they can do, which is push forward, because they're not that good in anything else. Did well, he ever do similar at Chelsea, Matt? No. I mean, he's... He kind of built this uh, philosophy of going away in the big games and trying to get a point, didn't he? Which, when he was successful, that was a successful way of doing things. And it feels like football's moved on from that and moved on from him a little bit. And he, he still, had the players for that at the time. He did that have the players sense. for that. And I agree with you because when he, in fairness to him, when he came to Chelsea this season, he did actually put them on the front foot and it did work. And it was... Uh, one of their best performances and he seemed to see that the only way to try and actually compete against Chelsea is to attack them and as you say it's probably the best way to, to go in against Man City and risk getting stuffed but he's he's risk averse isn't he I mean we know he's risk averse and I mean he had the injury to Pogba which threw things up in the air a little bit yeah especially with that absence I think you know this is a time to play maybe Mata and Sanchez to have something you yeah, know yeah I don't it was know just so easy made. for City it was it's yeah. disappointing the way that derby's gone I used to love it when City were on the up in the sort of Balotelli Tevez days and it was a real kind of real it became a real close derby and it feels now that it, it's not that it's it's too easy for City in that derby now. Yeah, look look at their front three, like, like Martial, Rashford, and Lingard. That's really quick and in theory great in the counter attack. I don't think there's anything really wrong with how Mourinho set it up. It's like the players weren't quite buying into it, and then they came out with all these lines after the game saying that they were tired and um, they played so many games during the week. But they had one shot on target, and that was a penalty. Did and like, you see, they've got the players there to do it. Did you see that point where there was Rashford just with the ball and he had just obviously used his pace to get really far and the yeah. midfield can't catch up? Yeah. And the, he was yeah. like, who do I pass the ball to? So the Where's players my support? There. Like, they need, they need um, different players. Yeah. <laughs> do, I think, do you buy I that? Don't, no. no, they've got no. a good squad. They've got a good squad. Man United have got a really good squad. That collection of players, I think most managers would say after Man City, they've got the best collection of players in the Premier League. I change my thought on it every week. Like sometimes I think I agree with you, and then others I look at it and I think it's kind of middling, though a lot of it. With some of those players getting other teams, like I they definitely need more leaders on the. Like they need those big uh, world stars. They don't really have them. You know, like City had David Silva, um, they had Bernardo Silva was amazing. Fernandinho was unbelievably good, but they've got loads of world stars. They've got De Gea, Pogba. San- I mean, yeah, the whole front line of world stars. Hey, listen, I take... Ma- Honestly, just I'm, yeah. I support Juventus and we have Ronaldo and I take Rashford, I take Martial, I take a lot of those players, to be they're honest. They're full of world stars, I not definitely the take De Gea over Chesney. quite yeah. there, though. They're not quite ready. But that's the manager. Yeah. The players should be ready. You know, what's interesting is that, like, when I look at my... 
my huge criticism of City has always been the lack of balance that I think is there. Yeah. And my issue is that he plays Fernandinho alone sometimes, you know, yeah. and he's just the guy in charge. And I think that you need another body there or you need a different style of play when you're playing you know, big opponents, stars that can really unleash their pace or ability against you. Mm. But against United, Fernandinho was more than enough. There didn't even need to be support or any of their weaknesses exposed because that they do have weaknesses. City have weaknesses that didn't weren't even slightly exposed. And that's what I think is is bizarre by how like little there was challenge considering there was forty four passes and a goal in the third one. That, that that's, the embarrassing thing about that as well is I think Match Zay put a list up last night of the um, most passes to, to goals the, the record I think Tottenham hold it at 48 or something yeah, that's right, yeah. but if you look at all the other opposition it's like Southampton Crystal Palace it's all teams who you'd be expected to fight relegation and then it's like Man United who have had this <laughs> done to them which is really embarrassing I think uh, just, just one point on the whole Fernandinho thing which I thought was good and I know we're going to talk about Chelsea a bit later but yesterday I was at Chelsea and Everton did a really good job on Jorginho by put, basically getting Ricarlison to drop deep onto him. And they stopped him. And it really messed up Chelsea's rhythm. Mm. And that feels like what United should have been doing to, exactly. to Fernandinho. Yeah, so Liverpool with maybe a Sanchez season, or yeah. something. Yeah. A, have a player playing up top who can drop deep and be busy round, round him. That's how, you attack. Like, that. That's the, how you defend, by attacking their weaknesses and then neutralising whatever they and can And Everton do. did it really well on Jorginho. And it seems to have passed. And he should have been sent off. The shape in that yeah, yeah. shape in that Man United game. So when that that forty four pass goal goes in, Matt is going around like throwing his hands out because he's Lukaku's going between players. He's got way too much space to cover to get close to the man on the ball. Then another person is not following him up. So it seems confused. Like some people have bought into when they're meant to press and when they're not. And then there's too much space, so they can't possibly get close. There's always a free pass for Man City to go through them. And it's, I don't think they were doing anything magical. It was it was amazing to watch the way they built it. But Man United's defending was really passive. They were always give them a couple yards. So they were never tight. I don't know if they were if they felt like they didn't have the right um, attitude going into the game if they weren't really ready to bite like they thought they were going to lose it's like they approached it and mm. think they were going to lose rather than going there to try to win What about Raheem Sterling for Manchester City signed a new contract <laughs> is, is he the sort of player that they're going to want to build around now for kind of the next five or so years is he, is he the key man do we think He's magic he's really good now mm. and he's got some um, I like that Guardiola was saying that he's um, got more confidence and he's trying to kill teams rather than uh, t- pass around them and I thought it was quite funny at the end when he was doing his stepovers on the side. And that's quite a, like, a weird sign of Man United. Matter didn't look impressed with that, did he? Yeah, that was no, annoying, to be honest. Put him in the know. stand. Like Sanchez is standing at him. He's not, he's, like, he, he thinks he's going to do like a street fight or a Hadouken or something. He's, like, he's going to give him about five yards. He's just been a touchline. Just go into him. I don't understand. Like, if that was against Fergie's Man United team, he'd have, like Roy Keane would have run about thirty yards to slide tackle him into the stand. That is probably. And Sanchez just stood and, and fell back off him, and then, and now he got in trouble. And Guardiola doesn't want to, you know, disrespect the opponent, and he's saying he shouldn't really be doing that at the time. Do you but, think that's what Guardiola? Guardiola went over to him after the final whistle and had had almost had him in a headlock. Yeah. He tried to disguise the fact he was having a bit of a go at him, didn't he? He tried <laughs> to sort of ruffle his head up a bit, and but in actual fact, he seemed to be having a go at him about that. I, I always like a bit of showboating. Do you remember that one when Barkley scored for Everton and started celebrating before it had gone in? I think it was against Bournemouth when he rounded the goalie and ran towards goal and was celebrating before he'd even put it in. And then he had to apologise for it. And I, I like a bit of showboating. I think it's fun. Me too. Oh, I don't know. I don't like it. And I don't like it when Ronaldo does it. The only person who ever liked showboating was Ronaldinho. And that's the only guy that I thought deserved to do it. 
Yeah, he was a man who played football almost entirely with his heels, which made it a little bit easier for him. <laughs> Shall we move on to a legitimately super Sunday in the Premier League? Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea all played, but only Liverpool coming out with the expected win. They're now unbeaten through the first 12 games, which is a remarkable achievement, really, in any other year. Clearly, City do look a level above them. But do we think it's unthinkable that City might blink first a little bit and have their bad spell at some point in this year and Liverpool could be the ones who sort of stay the course and go on and win the title? Is that unthinkable? It's not unthinkable. I mean, it could happen. I I don't think it'll happen. I actually think City will end up winning it relatively comfortably as well not as easy as last season I mean what is unthinkable is I mean Sari predicted yesterday I have no idea whether this is kind of possible or or whether he's correct in this because I haven't bothered checking it which is lazy journalism on my part (laughs) Um, but Sari said that he thinks that both Man City and Liverpool are on for 100 points this season Imagine if Liverpool got 100 points and didn't win the league. I know. That'd be amazing. Not amazing good Liverpool fans, just amazing, incredible. It would be funny. You God, said that. Sad he would be so unlucky. You know, he reaches like a record number of points and finishes second and said he comes into Premier League thinking, yeah, I got this. I mean, <laughs> I, I would actually feel a bit sorry for Liverpool if, given how long now they've been trying to win it again, if if they were to get like... 99 or 100 odd points and, and not managed to win the league it'd be incredible I mean again just because I was at Chelsea so I was having to look at various stats Chelsea were unbeaten as well the last time they went 12 unbeaten they did win the league under Mourinho usually if a team were unbeaten after 12 you'd be saying they're going to win the league mm. and yet there's three of them this season by the way when you look at these teams those teams you know Chelsea and Liverpool take Man City out but do you look at them and think wow they're so impressive despite how many points they've racked up already and, and what other than Man City you mean yeah so no, the, the rest the rest are I mean the rest of Liverpool haven't been playing amazingly nor have Chelsea in a lot of it's, games it's by design with Liverpool isn't it though they're, they're, they're not the swashbuckling team they were last year they've got savvier they're trying to be a little bit more controlled but does and that I, mean they've lost something then no, I think that's coming later in yeah, the season yeah I think it'll yeah. come and I also I, I think oh. I, I just don't I think it's too early to write them off I think Man City it's very easy to start saying you know because City clearly do look like the best team in the league but it's it's November like this could all go completely awry over Christmas it's not inconceivable they lose three in a row in in sort of wacky circumstances I just think they'll definitely lose to like Fulham or Cardiff or something stupid like that that's the kind of thing that'll happen Wolves I'm not convinced they might not lose this is the thing they should really appreciate them it's really special what they're doing the way they play is so nice to watch. The players are so good, and they're all getting that Gudjul is getting the most out of every single player. And it's I think it's quite unique, and I've never seen it before in the Premier League. And uh, we're in a great moment, and it's just good to watch. <laughs> like you know, yeah, teams, imagine... teams want to beat them, and they're trying to do different. Like some teams sit deep, some teams try and press. Like Mark Hughes tried to press with Thampton, get done. Other teams sit back and try and defend as a low block and get done. There's maybe a way to do it, but it's going to be a lot of luck involved. I reckon they're just so much better than everyone else. Yeah, they are so much better than everyone else. But it would also, I mean, Southampton, you know, that was like a clear like, you know, please go ahead and start playing football in our box and we're just going to stand off. Let's have a quick word about Fulham. They uh, they did not look very good at Liverpool. Uh, not too bad in the first half. Pretty unlucky to have that uh, Mitrovic goal ruled out and then scored uh, against immediately at the other end. Uh, but there was a lot of ambling about and shrugging of shoulders yeah. in the second half. Do we think it might be time to uh, to send uh, Jakanovic on his way? I think he's a good coach. So you say that, and yet every week you slag off Neil Warnock and Sean Dyche and people like that who are doing a better job this season. But he just loves attacking football. Yeah, but I like the way he's... Lord Slavisa cannot cannot organise a defence for Toffee. 
Yeah, I'd imagine he didn't have Sergio Rica. But then it's, it's, I don't know if it's his fault that that's the case. Why it's is that players. not his fault? Hang on, why is that not his fault that he can't organise? Because if they're defending? coaching, they'll be coaching it all the time in the, in the training, and then if the players are making individual errors, it's not you can't account for it. But he's not doing. He, I thought he did actually against Liverpool try and address the defence a little bit. But before then, he's just been ignoring the defence completely and being, oh, we'll go out and play how we play in the Championship, where their defence was even bad in the Championship. Yeah. He's, but it's a lot of loose midfield. He's doing a bad job. Look, I, I get that he's trying to change that now. It's a little bit too too late for me. And I know that this is supposed to be a better example of them trying to be defensive, but Shakiri's goal kind of exposed that there's no organisation. And if it's that easy for you to forget how to be in a, in a you know shape, then I, I don't know. But there's so many factors to that goal, because Shakiri's unmarked the back post from a, a ball comes in from Robertson from the left, and Shakiri's there unmarked, and someone's not, not doing their job. But there is no way that's not being coached like clearly because you're there it's just uh, that's a basic error and that's to do with the players not being good enough maybe not confident they're getting battered every single week but so why are you no relying on, on the fact that there, are, there is going to be errors from these guys so why not have a unit in place so that if does someone does come in and there is a unit but it was a, it was a bad someone forward. can cover up you can't forward. make excuses for Fulham though and like I say call Cardiff a pub team and stuff <laughs> you I just can't it's can, not fair will. <laughs> it's not fair though it's not fair <laughs> well, I think they've got better players they've spent more money and they're not organised properly and they're making in silly individual errors. Well, look at it this way, right? So Huddersfield now are really boring to watch and they don't offer anything going forward at all because they went back on what their plan was in the championship and the way they got promoted and now they're just trying to block low and try they and get got a lucky promoted. I think they got promoted with a negative goal difference mm. so they're not going back that much on oh, the, they, they, in the they were still pressing in different places and they were still playing more up the pitch and it was, I mean, I've, I saw them a couple of times and it was decent to watch. It was decent enough, right? But then now uh, David Wagner has said that they just changed because they're just shipping too many goals so the best way is to try and draw and then get a lucky thing. It's just I don't, I, you don't. You'll win some, you lose some. It's you might no stay up like they did last season. But there's no control of it. But at the moment, Fulham are just going to go down. Well, I know, but maybe a bit after Christmas, like they were last year. <laughs> 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 I just like play, I like managers who um, stick to that idea of trying to play in a certain way. And I think there's so many factors that are, it's hard to account for, like those errors, as confidence. It's players when you're a little bit lack of confidence and you're trying to defend against a team who knows exactly what they're doing and you don't know exactly where to be because you're not sure because the defence changes all the time maybe that's what he's getting wrong but, but maybe, maybe that's sort of appropriate for a team like Man City you've got enormous resources and the best yeah, possible maybe. players and maybe it just doesn't wash at Fulham and you do need someone brilliant like Neil Warnock <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on to Chelsea Matt uh, you were there on Sunday spoken about the job done on uh, Jorginho what, what about Hazard kept pretty quiet did they have any special plan for him um, they didn't. They actually. It seemed to be more. If they stop Jorginho, then maybe they'll stop the ball actually getting to Hazard. I thought Silver was quite clever with that, and I thought it's actually a very good performance from Everton. It was, it was quite a fun defensive. game for a nil now, wasn't it? They it was were, very spiky. It mm. was very spiky. Could have easily had a red card or two in that game. That challenge on Sigurdsson was horrible. Challenge on Sigurdsson. Uh, mm. Bernard amusingly second. trying to jump up to uh, to try and headbutt. Yerimina. Rudiger. Um, was it Rudiger? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Plus yeah. Sense, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I was impressed with Everton, actually. They've been awful at Stamford Bridge in the last few years, and I thought they did a good job on them. Hazard was quiet first half. He came to life second half. I mean, Chelsea had a good go second half. They'll be disappointed they didn't end up winning that game. They had the chances to win the game. But yeah, it's an entertaining nil-nil and a feisty nil-nil. We saw a bit of feistiness from Sari for the first time, shushing Silver on the touchline when he got a little bit irate with him 
So he uh, run out of cigarette butts to chew? Do you think he still had the cigarette butts? And yeah, he still had the cigarette butts chewing away. We we would speculate on whether he picks them up outside Stamford Bridge <laughs> on the way in or not. Can you, can you still smoke on the bench in European games? You used to see it all the time in Italy, didn't you? Yeah, you did. I mean, I just remember being in the Bernabeu watching Real Madrid and Dortmund, and everyone next to me was lighting up in their stands. Oh, and I was delightful. Like, Is this- Slavon Bilic used to smoke in his office at West Ham because it was right next to the press room, so you'd get the waft come through. There's talk that Sari does at uh, Chelsea, but I don't know whether that's true. He does uh, smoke a lot. But I I still thought that Chelsea had so many chances to win this game. Mm. And, you know, despite the fact that they did a job on them, Everton, they were just, you know, Marcus Alonso had a chance, like Morata was rugby tackled. Pickford was great, though. Sorry? Pickford was great. Pickford, that was it. Sergio Rico and Pickford. I mean, talk about man of the match performances, you know, in between the posts. But really, I don't, I don't know how much it's about necessarily defensive brilliance rather than goalkeeping brilliance. I thought it was, they, they had a plan, Everton, and it ended up working. I think Jorginho only had like 50 passes or something, which was kind of half the amount he's had in some games this season. So I think you got to praise them for having a, a plan. I'd have thought you'd be all over that, to be honest, Mina. Yeah, but is that um, enough to stop Chelsea? Is it just... Well, you've got to get a does, bit lucky, yeah. haven't you? You've got to get a little bit lucky. They're going to get chances and they miss those chances. The goalie made good saves. They hit the woodwork. Uh, Yerry Mina, I think, is going to be an interesting player to watch. I think he's going to have a few rickets in him. But he's... I've, I mean, last time I saw him was England-Columbia. Um, and I'd just forgotten how big he is. He's massive. He's going to get at least... He could get 10, maybe not this season because he started so late, but in a full season, he'll at least get 10 goals from set pieces. Do you feel a special affinity for him, Mina, given... Yeah, especially when they say, oh, Mina's a big boy there. And I'm just (laughs) like, "Uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) What about Wolverhampton Wanderers? They went into North London and got draw with Arsenal on Sunday. How how did they do that, JJ? They uh, were very, very, very organised defensively, sat back very deep and made it difficult for Arsenal to get through them. And then they hit them in the counter-attack brilliantly. It was... um, that's the kind of thing I think Man United were trying to do against Man City was that defending it that sort of way and have the pace of those players up front. Uh, I really like the way that they're set up. Arsenal had 72% of the possession, wow. but Wolves had more shots. Isn't that nice? That was another perfect goalkeeping uh, performances at the bank. Well, that was very good, wasn't he? He was so good in, in, in rescuing the side. And I thought Rui, Pat- Rui Patricio also did a great job. Yeah, it was a good save from Torreira. Torreira hit one from Precisely. like 25 yards. It was dipping. Uh, it was ace. I love when the players hit the balls like that. It doesn't doesn't spin. It just moves in the air. And he had to top it top over the top. I, I thought I'm never quite sure what that means because surely it's always moving through the air. Well, it's not <laughs> rotating. Let's have a quick rattle through the rest of the Premier League. Juan Foyth made up for his suboptimal debut uh, against Wolves of Spurs with a winner at Selhurst Park. Spurs picking up the slack with Harry Kane not really firing on all cylinders. This is a good sign for their kind of overall health as a team. Would you yeah, say? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree on Kane. Scored twice in midweek to keep them in the Wasn't Champions great, League. Though, was he? I mean, I know, I, I know, it's a good thing to be scoring is, goals when you're not playing very well. But he, he, does, he does look like he's not firing on all cylinders. Everyone always says this about Kane, and yet he always keeps scoring. I find it a difficult one to to get on board with. So sorry. Is, is that, that his game that he's just the goal scorer? No, no. I mean, he can be amazing, but he can also be quiet and score two goals in a game, which I think is perfectly fine as well. It just it, midweek symbolised why. He never takes Harry Kane off. People will be screaming, he should take Harry Kane off, he's done nothing and he'll go and get a couple of goals. What I loved about this this game, um, it was another example of Pochettino trusting youth and putting his own reputation on the line for youth. Because Foyth had had a nightmare, obviously, the week before. He started off the first 20 minutes or so against Crystal Palace terribly. He looked like a you know, car crash waiting to happen. And then he, he got himself through it. He grew into the game and got himself through it. 
And looking at Pochettino when he went up to fourth at the end of the game, he looked delighted for mm. him. Um, it no reminded, headlocks there. No headlocks. Well, <laughs> kind of maybe headlocks in a nicer way, but he just looked so delighted for him. And I love with Pochettino that he'll be prepared to put himself on the line to trust young players. He's done it time and time again. He did it with Winks, done it with loads of players. And this was another example of it. And I think that Pochettino at the moment just deserves so much credit. The way they're hanging in there through this horrible spell of games, horrible injury list, stadium. He's doing an unbelievable job, which I still think in a way goes under the radar. It was an excellent weekend for post-match interviews. Charlie Austin and Sol Bamba, uh, both uh, both very strong after the games. Um, what do clubs think of uh, it when this sort of thing happens, Matt? Are, are players just instructed by the media teams to keep it as simple as they can all the time? No, I don't think they are. Um, I think they're instructed sometimes by their agents and own sort of PR teams who are more interested in the players' vested interests of not getting themselves into trouble or whatever. Does someone like Sol Bamba have a PR team? Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. You'd be surprised at some players who do have PR teams. Not it's not always the kind of big stars who have PR teams. Um, I love him. Char- <laughs> I mean, Charlie Austin's interview was amazing. And this is why Mina should be sacked this week. Because <laughs> the, oh, the best yes. thing that ever happened on the internet happened at the weekend with his rant being put to the part life music, which is just superb. And then oh. it turns out Mina doesn't know what part life or blur are. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop. So go away, and re- go away and revise Britpop. Oh, no. We had to get um, a copy of Shine 3, Mina. Can I- <laughs> but it was just the greatest rant. And fair, I, I mean, I, I know really all their hope- songs. I just don't know their names off by heart. Sure. I just, I have yeah, like, you know... I, mini- it's really hard to know what the name of Parklife is, for example. No, I, I do forget a lot. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> but I don't understand why Charlie Austin was so... Like, I get it. His goal should have stood and he hasn't scored in ages. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Southampton should have conceded a penalty. So. But he doesn't care about it. He's passionate. Yeah. He thought he'd scored his first goal in ages that would have won them the game. Fair play to him. He doesn't really care about all the other decisions that have gone and whether it's actually right or wrong. He's just pent-up emotion. He's been put in front of the camera. He said what he wants. It's fantastic. I don't actually think as well. I mean, there's a lot of debate over whether he'll get in trouble over it. I'm not convinced he properly questioned the integrity of the referee there. No, he was being quite helpful, wasn't he? Yeah. Just to give him help. Give yeah. them VAR. Yeah. So... I don't actually think you'll get done for it. And I thought it was great. I thought it was you enjoyed more that. of that. There's like every 10 minutes that happens in Serie A, someone will come out crying, you know, shoes are getting thrown. Brilliant. It seems so rare. And the the interviewer seemed a bit, um, it was on BBC, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. He seemed a bit um, unsure what to do because he was kind of in that character of the TV interviewer where you ask questions in a certain way because that's the role you have to play. Do you know what I mean? And then, uh, and because Austin is in real life and just talking back to him like, it's a joke, I can't believe it. He's like, yeah, but what about the game today? Like, it's, it's, a joke. It's, like, it's really difficult. When, you, when you're trying to interview someone and they do go into a rant, you've got it in your head that you've got certain questions maybe you want to ask, but you've also got it in your head. You don't want to interrupt this rant because yeah. it's gold. And it's, it's also hard to know how to keep a rant going with an interview, you're almost better to say absolutely nothing and yeah. just sort of nod and hope they just carry on and carry on. So it, it's a tricky position to be in because you don't want to actually end up stopping the rant, but also on TV, whereas a, a newspaper journalist, you could just literally sit there and say nothing and nod and wait for him to run out of steam. Probably on TV, it's more difficult to do that. Definitely, yeah. So think, it's um, brilliant. Loved it. When he watches that bag, how do you think he'll feel? Uh, I think he'll have, I mean, I'm sure everyone's been sending him the part life video. (laughs) I'm sure it's going to be something that sticks with him and they're going to take the mickey out of him a bit. But 
I, he he is a genuine character as came across, and I, I think he'll he'll stand by it and be proud of it. I think the club will like it as well, and I think Mark Hughes will like it. He tweeted it, in fact, uh, the Parklife mashup. So um, he's he's already on board with it. He's already reclaimed the incident. Well, Mark Hughes. Uh, yeah. Charles, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Mark, Mark Hughes is definitely the sort of person who has said, "I've never been on Twitter. I don't know how to send a tweet. I don't know what email is. What's a phone?" He's that guy, I think. Uh, Newcastle United back-to-back wins now. Same question as last week: Has the tide turned on their season? Last week, JJ, you said absolutely not. I think they're exactly the same. They're going to they're going to win some. They're going to lose some. The at least they're taking chances now. And uh, Solomon Rondon is turned up as the striker that Rafa Benitez needed him to be. I mean, they're, they're okay, but they'll be... I don't see anything different from they've been doing in the recent weeks. They've been doing the same things in the games. They just have been losing them, and then they've won a couple. It's the same style of play, same players. They're all right. Before we move on, any views on Cardiff? <laughs> the only thing I wanted to say is that comment about Europe. What was that? When he said, oh, management all want Europe now after they beat Brighton. <laughs> I just <laughs> It took me like 10 minutes to stop laughing about that. And then he was like, yeah. So he's like, well, are you going to target Europe? And he goes, only for a holiday. And I just thought that was gold. You've, you've got to love him. He's done really well. He's put Callum Patterson up front, who's not a striker. The right back. Yeah. Correct. And... Um, <laughs> He, I think he's got about three, if, if three goals now. That, you'd love him, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, he's he's found a solution to a problem. Wait, but can I just say, if he, you're he a fan, some praise. He, okay, but if you are a fan of this club and Neil Warnock just said, "Ha ha, Europe," would you not be a little bit like, no, not no. If you're a Cardiff fan? I don't. Think. You'd, be, <laughs> you'd be all over it. You'd be, I'd be just loving Neil Warnock if I was a Cardiff fan. Yeah. Okay. I Sorry. think most most teams who've been managed by Neil Warnock end up quite liking him. Yeah, he, he is so personable. Like, I just couldn't stop laughing at that interview. I thought, you're, you're wonderful. Let's move on now to a song for Europe featuring Mina Rizuki. It is our now customary whip around the continent. It was Der Klassiker in uh, Germany, which is a, a phrase I wasn't aware existed until this weekend. Uh, but uh, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. Dortmund came from behind twice to win 3-2. Two for Marco Royce. So many injury worries for him, Mina. Is he, is he back to his best now? Yeah, I think so. You have to say that. It's true. This guy's career is just really stagnated in a way that you never expected when you saw him playing for Mönchengladbach under, of course, Lucien Favre, who he has dubbed as the best ever coach he's had. And he's had some great coaches. And I just... It was such a... It was honestly such a good game. Um, I... Sometimes I'm not sure about the Bundesliga, but this was a great advert for it. Bayern dominated the first 30 minutes and it made you kind of look at Fav and think, why on earth would you play Weigel in midfield? And it seemed like the guy was so lost. He was losing his duels and everything. And, you know, Lewandowski put them ahead and Royce twice came back. And then it was Paco Alcacer, who can't ever start a game almost, comes in and gets the winner. And, and you can sort of see... Boateng getting so angry for having lost him and the defence at Bayern really, you know, feeling like they weren't supported enough perhaps on on occasion. Um, But it was a really good game because it kept changing. It was just, you know, it was a fact of Bayern did this. You thought that they were not going to be able to dominate for that long. It looked like they were expending a lot of energy. Favre knowing exactly what to do and what changes needed to make to regain control and have a solid midfield. And it was a really, really good match to to watch and really on this occasion Dortmund have always you know been a very good side to watch but they've always lacked a little bit of balance but what I like under Fav is that they can counter attack they can play the ball they can do pretty much everything and they've got squad depth as well 
Two countries to the left of Germany. It was uh, Monaco versus PSG. This used to be the biggest game in French <laughs> football. Now it's just hapless Thierry Henry against the nation state of Qatar. Uh, how did that one pan out, Nina? Well, Monaco held out for four minutes. I thought that was all right. <laughs> um, uh, it was terrible to watch. And I feel like Thierry Henry has just walked into a terrible situation. I was always annoyed that Hadim didn't stay on because I'm a huge fan of him. You know, we talk about guys that are pragmatic. He was always labeled as a defensive coach. But actually, when he had defensive players, he played defensive football. When he had attacking players, he outscored everyone in Europe. This was a guy who really knew what to do. And if he couldn't do anything with this Monaco side, then neither is Thierry Henry. Right now, there's a mental collapse going on in Monaco. And it's clear, like, you, when you saw them lose against Club Rouge, who, like, never win a match, and I think this has been 13 years or something, uh, it, it, you have to look at that and think, this is really bizarre how this team is falling apart, how Sidibe can't seem to play football anymore, like Falcao's not scoring the goals, there's no midfield control, and there are endless, endless um, injuries. So, all in all, when you, you, you're facing PSG, who have Cavani, who just scores a hat-trick at will, Neymar, who can get a penalty and, and convert, and a team that has so much individual talent as well as, as a more of a better understanding as playing as a team, it was always going to be a tough match. I honestly can't see Henry, Henri, rather, winning too many games, if any. Who knew that if you had loads of good players and sold them all? It won't be any good anymore. But this is the thing. They always did do that. I mean, do you remember they had the Martial and Carrasco and at the time they were fantastic. They reached the semi-finals of the Champions League, I think, at the but time. wouldn't they usually just sell sort of one or two? Like over the last two years, they've sold everybody. Yeah. And I also think that it's important to note that they've changed their scouting before they used to buy in players that were on the cusp of like making it. Now they, they're buying players that and need about younger, three or four years. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't help when you've got like Pellegrini and Golovin and all of those still like constantly injured or constantly absent. I think that's that's another thing. But yeah, you're, it is that. You're right. Got, you're, like, 15, they did sell too much. 15 players injured as well, haven't they, or something? Yeah. They, yeah they got no, another bad injury against PSG. Another one. I know. Who was... Oh, I forgot now. Someone in, was in tears, I read, as they went off, but I didn't know who it was. Perhaps it was Monaco's one actual fan. Uh, it's all getting a bit... Uh, actual, <laughs> it's all getting a bit... You'll be surprised how angry they were, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too if I had to watch games on top of a car park. Juve 2, <laughs> Milan nil. Uh, very upset Gonzalo Higuain at the end of this one. Uh, is there any truth in a rumour that Arsene Wenger could be off to AC Milan? <laughs> There's gotten, we had a right laugh about this when we were listening. Listen, it's it's not as far-fetched. OK, it is far-fetched. Gazidis <laughs> um, is there, we know that. We know they don't have a great relationship. Um, the Italians seem to have ignored that. The Italian press seem to have completely ignored that Gazidis and, and Wenger have a, a very poor working relationship for the last few years at Arsenal. I think that because he just virtually forced him out. He pretty much sacked him. Yeah, it's true. I know it's really bizarre. But in order for them to ignore that and talk about it, because we know that Gordon Singh is a a huge fan of, of Arsenal. And we know that he likes Arsene Wenger. And I think that what happened there is he probably mentioned something along the lines of, wouldn't it be nice if we had Wenger? And someone actually heard that and went crazy with it, you know? Okay. Um, There's a lot that Wenger could bring into this club. But, I mean, in all honesty... They're doing an all right job under Gattuso. This was a very difficult game. It was really painful for me to watch, actually, despite being a Juve fan. It was horrible to see the emotional breakdown of Higuain. What caused it? It, it was... So he had a penalty, uh, which for me was never a penalty that Benatia had conceded. And you could see Ronaldo talking to Chesney, but Chesney knows Higuain very well anyway, you know. And basically, it was saved. 
And you could tell that he was a little bit upset about that. And he just grew more and more emotional and more and more angry and then conceded a foul. He went up to the referee, just started yelling at him, got a yellow card, didn't stop yelling because now he had completely capitulated, you know, like on an emotional level. Got the red card. You could see Blaise Matuidi, Ronaldo, everyone just telling him to calm down because they didn't want to see that because he's still so beloved by everyone at Juve and we know that he was forced out because obviously he's expensive and no one can afford to have Ronaldo and him on a team but it was just heartbreaking to see that it was you know Juventus players all came out and said please don't punish him too severely Gattuso was like no he should really know how to control his emotions coming from a side from, coming from a like Gattuso I mean Gattuso was like look I get it because I'm like that but at the same time like you know you you know don't do that basically it's quite we know that the beauty of Higuain is that he is emotional and that's why he sometimes does well in these matches and other times uh, perhaps it uh, gives in but this was not a fair context uh, contest because Juve are like I said so superior to most teams in Serie A. Italy's answer to Manchester City. Let's uh, end on a positive note with the excitement of international football. Callum Wilson into the England squad for the Wayne Rooney Invitational Friendly versus Wayne Rooney's USA MLS Rooney All-Stars on Thursday at Wembley. Uh, are we going to learn anything from this game, Matt? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we stopped doing five things we learned on the Telegraph website because that would really be a struggle. I was good at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, we talked about this last week. The whole Rooney thing's meant we won't learn anything other than that it's stupid. Do we think the players care about it either way? Are they sort of happy to have him back? I tell you or, what, or play- are they like livid about, you know? Players will only be livid if it ends up affecting them. So if there's a player who thinks he should play in that game and doesn't get off the bench, he will become livid. If it doesn't affect them, they won't care and they'll all say how great it is to train with Wayne Rooney again for a few days and be part of the Wayne Rooney Invitational. But no, we're not going to learn anything. It's going to be an, an absolute drag. Are you going? Yep. Oh. <laughs> you sound so excited. <laughs> just, just wait for my colour piece or ratings or five things. What do you get? Are you going to give him zero? I don't know, yeah. I'll, I'll judge it on his five-minute performance. <laughs> I usually don't have to mark substitutes if they don't come on for more than 15 minutes. So I, I assume we're going to have to break from tradition for Rooney, as everybody is breaking from tradition for Rooney. He's a very powerful man. The Nations League A, Group 4, concludes for England on Sunday in that game against Croatia, also at Wembley. How do we think that's going to go? That's, that's definitely more interesting. Mm. Um, it could... It could it's is quite he inter- really in the squad for that as well? No, no, he's right. not. It's a one-off. He had a little asterisk next to his name yeah. just for USA. So Croatia plays Spain when we play the USA. Well, he's got a hat-trick against the USA. It's like, <laughs> we could kind of do with him. No, whatever he does. He's got 10 goals. He he's not allowed to be in the squad. Um... So Croatia plays Spain when we play the USA, which will actually determine whether or not we can still win the group or whether it even becomes a relegation playoff against Croatia. So it could be quite exciting. Croatia's been really disappointing so far, really disappointing. Um, you, you figure they've got to turn up at some stage. And it'll just be interesting. That game will be genuinely interesting to see whether Spain, our victory over Spain and that performance was a bit of a one-off Allah when we beat Germany um, or whether it was building towards something and we can go and really carry that on and if we can you would imagine we should roll over Croatia I love the Nations League I'm so in for the Nations really? League I think it's been superb so is far is it as good as the ICC there <laughs> <laughs> it's been much better it's made international football definitely more interesting it's terrible for the players fitness I mean Eric Dyer's been called up to the England squad because it's an important UEFA Nations League match and hasn't played for Tottenham for there's no way he'd normally be allowed to be, be in an England squad so I could see why club managers hate it good branding though isn't it 
Good branding. Yeah, yeah. really nice logo. <laughs> I have to say, though, a lot of, a lot more teams are actually trying to win their matches as opposed to... I, I do love, for example, for Italy, Mancini was like, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know, it's just a Nations League game and then, like, celebrated like he won the World Cup, so... No, it's, it's genuinely... It's been good for England. This this group's a good group for England. Mm. Uh, the, the, the Croatia match I'm, I'm well up for, if I could just not go to the USA game and just go to Croatia game, I'd be a lot happier. I really I really hope he scores a hat-trick. Rooney. <laughs> mm. just, just to make me sad. Yeah, I still think I'll give him like a three. <laughs> <laughs> three for the amount of goals he scored. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's a good judge to see how good England actually are. I think it's this Croatia team. Like you say, they're not really the same team they were in the World Cup. They've lost away a bit. They got absolutely done by Spain as well, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but they are exhausted as well. Well, maybe. But then I, mean, I think Southgate's trying to change up a bit now with England. So it's away from that three-man defence a little bit and trying to try four, new... 4-3-3. Three, 4-3-3, three. Three, three, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, I mean... I wonder if Callum Wilson will get a look in. I don't know if he's quite like international level. Like he's good in the Premier League for Bournemouth. He's got a lot of people ahead of him. A lot of people mm. ahead of him. Um, I mean, even Jaden Sancho. Even th- they're not the same position as such. But in terms of getting into that front three, Jaden Sancho's ahead of him. Jaden Sancho might start against USA. That'd be interesting. That'd, That'd be cool. fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're back Deserves in. That. You've talked yourself around to the USA game. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be there with pom poms. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. JJ Ball, have you got a cleverest moment of the weekend that you wish to share with us? Do I? Um, I think it's going to be Solomon Rondon's header, like Alan Shearer, circa 1996. Uh, it's just a lovely place. So it's um, Kennedy on the left and he swings in an early ball. It curls around the defender and Rondon's movement is perfect. He just is quicker than his man. I think it's Aki he beats to the ball. Yes. I can't remember. Yes. And he just beats him to the to the front corner of the six-yard box and powers a header. I love a header that smashes through the really net. Really aggressive, wasn't it? Yeah, I love that as well. Shearer was really excited about it too. Oh it's yeah, like, oh, I was jumping up and down when this happened. It was very Shearer esque. Mm. It's like that goal he scored for Newcastle in the Champions League, I think, where he's at the back post and he diving headers it in, powers it home. It was really great. Uh, I love that. Do you guys remember this stuff? I can't remember. I don't I remember that, but I do remember it. It reminded me a lot of a Shearer, a yeah. Shearer really yeah. aggressive header. I used to love Alan Shearer a lot. Yeah, I did. Just lonely childhoods, I think, is the answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish by talking about the FA Cup. Some giant killings of a sort for Geisley, Stockport, Maidstone and Southport this weekend. But what do you think, panel, is the most memorable FA Cup upset of all time? And can I just say, we've had several people, including Alistair, HUFC, Ian Wolford and Paul Knight, 007, not affiliated with the famous spy, uh, Many people, including them on Twitter, uh, saying there's only one correct answer to this, and that's Hereford, Newcastle in 1972. Ronnie Radford, 35 Screamer. So I want different answers from all of you, please. Most memorable FA Cup upsets. Well, mine are a bit boring in a way because some people would not class them as traditional upsets, but Coventry winning it against Tottenham and Wimbledon winning it against Liverpool, I think have got to be the biggest upsets because they've won the FA Cup. You can't take two. I was going to go for Wimbledon. (laughs) Okay, I'll take Coventry. (laughs) I'm from the Midlands and I quite like Coventry, so I will take Coventry City. I'm going to Coventry on Saturday. I think it's an underrated place. Yeah, it is. Well... I don't what know that sense? the city is. Leamington Spa's nice. Coventry there's, itself. There's, there's nice. There's nice bits. It's got. It's got a bit of character. People from Coventry are very proud to be from Coventry. They always go on about it, and I think that's, that's really. Charming. I like their fans. Their fans are mm. extremely passionate. But Coventry City, then they won it. They beat Tottenham. It's probably one of the first kind of wow moments I remember as a kid, watching the FA Cup. So yeah, Coventry. 
I haven't had too many of so those moments. I'll take Wimbledon over Liverpool. For me, I thought Wigan winning it as well. Yeah. That yeah. was uh, that was quite surprising as well at the You've time. You've had two as well now. Oh, Lina. sorry. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> what, what are your? Are JJ, different? seven answers uh, yeah. begin there. No, I was going to say Wigan. Is that, <laughs> no, but uh, I also the one I really remember, and I don't. I'm not sure why this is. Like I say, I used to love Alan Shearer, um, and I love that Newcastle team that he played in. And I remember when they drew with Stevenage, because um, it, it was the first time I'd ever really watched properly this kind of non-league team play against a massive like superstar and it was so cool seeing Shearer in this uh, it looks like the pitch I used to play on when I played for Inverurie Locos the old Colony Colts team and, he, uh, and then they drew that and then they won at St James's Park but then also in 2011 there was like a revenge game where they played them in the third round and Stevens beat them 3-1 and that was cool as well I remember that being great Rex, Rex and Arsenal is a really famous one isn't it oh, we're, our cup runneth over here with FA Cup upsets yeah I'm right, I know that Wrexham Arsenal's a really famous one. Everyone's just looking blankly. Yeah, no, that happened. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely happened. There was a famous free kick in that. I can't remember for the life of me who took it. Was it someone Thomas? Mickey Thomas. Mickey yes. Thomas. Yeah. Good shout. Thank you. Well done. Thanks very much. As I say, very lonely childhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's all from this week's Telegraph Audio Football Club. Why not send us an email before next week's episode and we'll read out the best of your correspondence. The address is afcpodcast at telegraph.co.uk. As ever, you can also make contact with me on Twitter at Tom with an H Gibbs. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It makes total sense. Just search for Telegraph Audio Football Club and take it from there. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.